as nice as a, a handwritten note is, you can't capture it there so much either. No, but nobody sends handwritten notes but me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few people do it. You know, it. Um, if there's one thing, one takeaway from this podcast for people, send a handwritten note. Send a mess of them. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Bill Tierney a real estate professional with Michelle Lennard Realty on the South Shore of Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to get on your podcast and uh, see what we talk about today. I love it. So you mentioned you've been doing this for 15 years. Tell me about that. Tell me about the journey and what brought you into this profession. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment and I don't learn real well. Um, you know, my, my first answer, um, no, I got into real estate initially because I was in financial services for seven years and I hated my job. Um, my wife was also in financial services and loves her job, was very good at it, but was starting to travel a lot. And we had two little kids and for us as parents, it was very important that somebody be around when the kids get off the bus and, um, you know, someone's getting them, you know, we always had a, a babysitter who could get them to and from the games and play dates or whatever, you know, uh, uh, Boy Scouts would fill in the blank because I think my kids did everything like Jane Brady. You know, she just signed up for everything in that one right. episode. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but then, you know, and, and real estate's great because you can say, yeah, Mark, I can't meet you at Forks because I'm going to a little cross game. Um, I don't really, would never used to say why I could meet you at four, but I, you know, I was there for my kids, but, you know, uh, I had Saturday and Sunday when it's busiest in real estate, you know, when, when my wife was with the kids and I could go out and show a house and fast forward now, I've got one out of college and one who graduates uh, in a month. Um, and I spend 60 hours a week in real estate because um, I like it. Um, and it's, it's fun to help somebody. People always say, well, you make any sales. I don't sell anything in real estate in my book. Right. You know, if you want a glass and chrome contemporary and I bring you into an antique, I don't care what kind of salesman and you're not going to buy it. But I can listen to you and watch your body language after 15 years and realize what you're looking for and say, hey, by the way, have you seen this one over here? Um, but, you know, as a matter of fact, I did that um, right around Christmas time last year. I was out showing homes with a woman. She's sort of relocating from the Metro West down here, divorced, sort of starting over. And I knew of a house that was coming on. The builder was working on it. And we just drove by and I saw his truck. I knocked on the door. Um, we were in the house five minutes before she said, yeah, this is the one. Because I knew what it was from listening to her. And I knew what it was because the, the builder's wife is a real estate agent. And she was like, you know, we're going to have this coming on, keep it on. And, you know, it sort of, for in, um, all intents and purposes, never really made it on the market. You... Uh... You, you share a really cool story about, you know, the the arc of your career and the partnership that you have with your wife, with primary goal number one being the kids. And, and uh, you know, I love hearing those stories and I love hearing it from real estate professionals because a lot of folks got into it for that same purpose. I'm going to be my own business owner. I'm going to dictate my own calendar 
and I'm going to be there in places where I want to be. And then I'm going to be in the places where I need to be on my schedule. Really cool. What do you mean by shop local? Um, well, like, yeah, everyone's used hashtag shop local. And I always use the example coffee and Cohasset, right? You can go to one of the franchises up on 3A, where you can go into the village and go to um, Seabird Cafe. It's, you know, Seabird's own locally. Those guys live in Situate. They are big sponsors, the Quest Education Foundation, I'm, I'm sure others, um, you know, and they're, they're the local company. But in real estate, you know, you can shop local if you choose to. Um, and in my immediate market, you've got a couple different ones that you, you're looking at. You've got a couple of franchises owned by, you know, an office is owned by some publicly traded company. So, you know, any of that money just leaves the market. Um, you've got a couple of people, you know, that are, you know, they talk about being um, family owned. But the family doesn't live anywhere near our market, uh, or in one case, even in the state. Um, but you've got so, a lot of. So, what you're referring to is the agent who is paid for the services rendered will likely keep their money local in other businesses within that local region, as opposed to a much bigger brokerage international. National. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the agents we're all local. I mean, most agents work in their immediate community. You know, some people tend to fan out a little bit. I personally think you lose a little bit of you know your market knowledge when you're going into a town you don't know like the back of your hand. Like you know, I would be exponentially better to help somebody in Hingham, Cohasset, Situate, and Hull than I would be even in Marshfield, even though it's it's 15 minutes from my house. I don't know the Marshfield market the way I know the situate market. Um, and, and that's, that's being local, right. Coming full circle. I mean, that's shopping local for local knowledge. Why would you want an online identifier to help you find a home in a local community? Especially in this market. I mean, you, you've got to be local because you got to know where the inventory is coming from because you know, the inventory is on the market for three days. So how do you find that out? How as an agent do you find out, where the inventory is coming from. Obviously, you know when you're bringing out inventory, but what about the local uh, advantage, the competitive advantage over somebody coming in from outside? You know, I, after 15 something years in real estate, you know, you, you, you know, who, you know who, who traffics in, in which price points and, and who's doing what sort of business. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for, um, I've got a guy who can spend up to 3 million, but he wants direct water from. And, you know, he wants Hummer Rock, Beach Ave and Situate um, and, and mine it, you know, because they've got family in those three pockets. Um, and, you know, he can go on Zillow and see what's an MLS. But, you know, he's like, look, you know, can you find one for me? Um, and so, you know, you, you spend all your time talking to the agents who traffic in those properties. Um, you so know. you're talking you're talking off market. Can you get to the property before the general public gets to it? Yeah, and and it's it's not necessarily off market, it, but it may be something they know they've got coming in two weeks, right? Because you've got to schedule the photographer and make the brochures, and you've got a little bit to do before it comes on. And people say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm listing 123 Banana Peel Street, um, and you know, you've got a week t time to get people into it." Right. Interesting. And, and that's that's an agent relationship thing that you you get when you when you're shopping local when you're working with a local agent. And you have the local customs, you have the relationships, you have that inside knowledge, for lack of a better term, right? I mean, it is inside. 
you know, better I mean, information. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not Martha Stewart inside, but uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish it was. Um, <clears throat> but no, I mean, it, it's you know, it's your relationship with agents um, and and having worked with them, and you know, some agents, you know, I'd, every real estate agent will tell you there's agents they love to work with, and agents, you know. This phone weighs three thousand pounds. When you when you see the wrong number come up, and in a market like this, those folks are going to be challenged, right? Because they're not going to get any favors. They're not going to get return phone calls. They're going to be stuck on an island. Oh yeah. So I you know I I always you know it's that local bit. You know how do you um how do you find that needle in a haystack for you know the discerning buyer? Right. You what know, about I, what what are some of the other ways? Okay, so. One way to loosen up inventory and to help your buyer client find a unique property is to go to the folks that are listing in that in that asset class. But what are some other ways that you, Bill Tierney, could help access some of those assets for your client? You know, it's it's a question of like, all right, Mark, you know, what house is it that, that you want? Right. And, and you're telling me, you know, I want uh, bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchens, you know, uh, recently built or, you know, maybe you're glutton for punishment and you're and you're open to you know a, a big rehab, um, you know, and then go, OK, well, you know, where do you want to be? And, you know, sometimes you, you've got to just get old school and then start mailing postcards and handwritten notes saying, look, you know, I've got somebody who's looking for a house just like yours. Um so what's that look like? So I'm, uh, you know, been living in my house 15 years. You know, the postcard picture of you, it says market's crazy. It's wild. Come sell your house. Or is it more direct than that? I mean, I, I've done the postcards and this year they're not working like they usually do because I think I think there's a lot of them in the mail. I think direct mail is kind of having a little bit of a, of a renaissance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's more a handwritten note. You know, or, or 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 more. You know, um, yesterday I mailed thirty-five market analysis um, to a particular neighborhood because I've got buyers who want to be in you know that that box. So uh, help me understand that. So you sent them a market analysis, so more than a postcard. I sent them um, probably a fifteen-page book. Um, some of it's a little bit about Michelle Leonard real estate, where I am an agent um and, and there's a little bit about me but there's five or six pages in there of what their house is and what similar homes have sold for and where their house could sell um because i think everyone knows the market's really good but i don't think anyone's like look here's you know roughly where i haven't seen the inside of your house so I, I can't tell you exactly where it's going to sell but from driving by and assuming you maintain the inside the way you do the outside i can assume that it's pretty nice and you know um we can extrapolate from recent sales and say look you know, you could be getting between x and y and how close to delta do you have how how big a range typically are you sharing with somebody i think i'm within 95 percent. wow wow you know, uh, unless they have just a, an absolutely awful kitchen or uh, very, uh, should we say, unique taste, um, right. that, you know, it's not going to fly with, with everybody. But if you have sort of a, if you painted everything gray and you have the white kitchen and the uh, stone countertops and stainless steel appliances and updated bathrooms, I, I mean, I can be pretty close. That's and I can also be close knowing that, you know, someone's going to have to put a quarter million bucks in to replace all those things. So they get this in the mail. This is more than a postcard. This is actually, hey, you, 
Mr. and Mrs. Jones. You've heard about it. Everybody's talking about it. But here's reality right here in front of you in a glossy, nice, tangible package. With their house and their assessed value and you know their um, what their taxes are and what the public records telling me they have for bedrooms and bathrooms and square footage and you know I mean it's it's not me spitballing it you know it's me doing like a real analysis with real numbers not maybe not to the level of detail an appraiser is going to do but pretty darn close to it. Well, the and, appraisers the yeah, the appraiser is going to have the ability to get inside, but you're going to do a much better job than an online guess with algorithms and some data input. This is back uh, to that local. Yeah, I can tell you about the online one and you feel free to look it up. Inman News wrote a big article on it, but when Spencer Raskroft, who was one of the founders of Zillow, sold his house, he was his estimate was off by 40%. Wow, um, wow. So yeah. these people are now delivered the real number. They sit back and they say, you know, I know we were talking about shutting it down in three years and, and retiring, but if this number's real, you know, we could really fast track our timelines. Or take advantage of money that's available today. And I don't have a crystal ball into the future. And if I did, I wouldn't be selling real estate. Um, I'd probably be doing something with QSIP numbers. But, you know, if your house is worth, say, 800 two years ago, and it's worth a million today, if we get some kind of economic slowdown, geopolitical event, something you know that that changes the economy, maybe that million slides back down to nine. So you know it can make sense to lock in that gain, you know that you're getting in a pretty frothy market like we have right now, and go to Florida two years early. Right? Why not? And you know if you're selling your house for a million here and buying for three hundred down there, if the market goes down twenty percent. You've got 800 here, but you've only lost, uh, you know, and you're out 200 from where you were, where you could have sold. But yeah. you paid 300 down there, and you're down 20 percent. You've only lost 60. So, you know, you want to lose 60 or 200, right? It's, right. It's I don't know if Florida's selling much for 300 anymore either. Uh, there's a, a real demand going on there. So, 15 years ago, market was pretty brutal when you got into it. Tell me about that. What did you do to uh, to dive right in? Um, market was tough. It was, you know, 2009, 10, you know, we're just coming out the other side of the, the financial meltdown. Um, and prices had really deflated. You know, and I don't think we'll see a deflation like that again in my lifetime, uh, or, or I certainly hope not. Um, but I know, and as you well know, um, I did a bunch of short sales. It was just ugly, awful, depressing business. Um, but, you know, it was almost as rewarding as finding someone that trophy house in this market when you can take that burden off of them. Um, you know, they're, they're no longer worried about the bank showing up, the, you know, uh, at the door and kicking them to the curb or, you know, some of these fears that some of these people had, you know, that they were, they were able to leave the closing table with a clean slate. Um, but you're dealing with the banks, you know, to the bank, the, the, the property was, you know, it was a number. Um, and, you know, there, there was no warm, touchy, feely. Um, you just kind of got all your paperwork together and you just waited for the bank to approve it. And sometimes it was three weeks, sometimes it was three quarters. So for those who aren't familiar with short sale, help us understand what a short sale is. A short sale is when you sell your house for less than what is owed um, and the bank forgives the delta. 
So you went, you bought a house for 300 grand, you put 60,000 down, you borrowed 240, you know, with a conventional loan. Um, go forward in life, the market's changed, the house isn't worth $240,000. And you don't have a check in the bank account to show up the closing and, you know, uh, make the bank whole. Uh, so you need to get the bank to forgive, you know, that delta between what someone's offered to pay, pay the house and what you owe. And so what makes you say you don't see that coming back? I hope I don't see it coming back. Um, I don't, you know, what caused a lot of that was the, the prices really deflated. Um, and, you know, we had what, you know, what they call the Great Recession, uh, was, you know, the, the biggest recession we've had um, since the depression um and you know hopefully the fed is a little bit better at managing things hopefully there's a little bit more fiscal responsibility um out of state capitals and and dc um, that might be a big statement and hopefully we don't see an influx of subprime loans again that caused the whole thing to come crumbling down but yeah i mean we're starting to hear you know there's going to be a need to loosen up uh, capital here soon. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some really exotic loans coming out again. They're out there a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got a lender who can do some pretty funky things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, after doing a bunch of short sales, you know, I always talk with clients and say, look, you know, if you're going to be in this house for 10 years, you'll probably be okay. If you're going to be in it for five years, make sure that you have the financial flexibility uh, if, if you're stretching, um, because, because you saw it, because you I experienced, it and, and I, 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 you know, I, I don't want that call. Hey, Billy, remember when you told me that was a million bucks was a great deal for this house. And I have to go, yeah, well now 800 is, um, <laughs> I don't want that call. I don't want to. And you that. saw it, which is another, you know, added bonus to working with someone like you, right. Is you were there, you saw it, you can hedge against what other people didn't see in. And let me ask you this. Did it, was it, uh, was the local communities that you talk about servicing, were they affected by the short sales? Yeah, I mean, short sales, um, I mean, I did one in my, I moved about a year ago, but across the street and two doors down, I did, we did a short sale. Um, you know, and I, at the time I was living in Cohasset Village, you're not, you know, that's supposed to be above all of that. And, you know, they're, uh, they're we're more prevalent than you think. Right. Um, I did, you know, I did a few in Hingham. Um, I did a couple in Situate. Um, you, there were there were no shortage of them. So how did you go from jumping into the industry, finding the opportunities, transactions, the ability to help, and then transition into a more flourishing market? Did you simply follow the trends? I mean, I think that in a certain level, the tide took me that way. You know, I mean, you know, short sales were kind of going away. You know, the federal government was forgiving because when, when money is forgiven, it, it's a 1099 event and becomes a taxable event. For a while, the feds had, weren't taxing that forgiven allowed amount. The states were, but the, um, the feds were not. Um, and so, you know, the, that business was drying up, but as you do a good job for people, you know, when you try hard and intend to do well, that comes across, um, you know, and all of a sudden it, it was moving into, sort of a regular listing, if you can say that. Um, I don't really know what, you know, what you would call a regular listing, because uh, they're all 
everyone's so unique. Um, but you know, you, you move that way. And you know, as you start doing that, the next thing you know, you're listing $2 million houses. So tell me about some of the other things you're doing. So I find this fascinating, the courage that you have to jump into an industry that you're unfamiliar with, realize you're at the bottom. And as everybody's escaping, you know, the otherwise difficult market, you embrace it. And then you flow with the economy back up. But I've noticed watching your acceleration that you do a lot of video. And I think that takes a lot of courage. Tell me about what brought you to video and why you love it so much. I don't love it. And I'm not really very good at it uh, because I just stutter and stammer when I did to do it. Um, and my kids make fun of me and they say, Dad, you go, uh, um, uh, uh. But it's a great way to get come across, uh, you know, as genuinely as you are, right? You, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. What, what's a video worth? Right? Because that's a bazillion pictures. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, but it's a great way to say, hey, look, you know, this is a great house. Um, it just needs a new kitchen, right? And, and show them the ugly kitchen that was really cool when um, Reagan was president. Uh, you know, and videos, you know, video can be very good that way, right? And right, so you're laughing at, you know, my dry sense of humor, but, you know, you can't capture that in text. No, and as nice as a, a handwritten note is, you can't capture it there so much either. No, but nobody sends handwritten notes but me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few people do it. You know, it. Um, if there's one thing, one takeaway from this podcast for people, send a handwritten note, send a mess of them. I, you know, I, um, one of the things that I do, and it's in my CRM, and it's not necessarily my handwriting, but it certainly looks that way. But, you know, if I'm at Seabird getting that local cup of coffee and I run into someone, I send them a note, hey, Mark, great to catch up with you. You know, uh, good luck in the town election or, uh, you know, uh, hope, hope the boys beat uh, Norwell on the cross or, you know, wh whatever it was that we talked about. Do you, is that send out cards? Do you use send out cards for that? It's, it's called AM cards. It works with my CRM, which is called, called follow-up. So for me, it's no different than sending uh, an email. I type it in, hey, Mark, comma, you know, hit return, blah, 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 hit return, best regards, comma, hit return, bill. Um, and then it, the next day it's in the mail. That's cool. That's efficient. And it's, and it's very valuable for mailboxes. I mean, people don't typically get mail and when they do it does it does seem special so how'd you get through the courage of video though we i talked to a lot of people about video and you know why aren't you doing more video and there's a massive fear around doing video talk about it for a second i'm gonna steal a slogan from nike just do it <clears throat> um and go go to my youtube um from you know and look at videos from five, six years ago, and I'm awful. Um, but you are who you are, right? You know, I was like, I don't look good on camera. Well, that, that's, that's what everyone else sees. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I don't sound great. Well, you know, unless you're going to talk in an affected voice for your whole video, um, <clears throat> that's how you sound. You know? Right. So why not transport yourself right into the room with them? And if you don't like me, then I'll never know. Right. But if you if you like me and you want to do business with me, then we're probably fairly like minded and it's going to be a nice experience for both of us. And, you know, with video done is better than done well, uh, borrowing that from my friend Katie Lance, but um, just do them. I have a competitor um, in the Hingham market and she does a ton of video and, you know, she's like me. She doesn't think she's good at it. And 
I mean, I, in the last 18 months, she's come on like gangbusters with video. And she's fantastic because she's like, hey, here I am. And she walks in the front door of the house and shows you, you know, the shiny hardwood floors. And she tells you what's cool about the house. And she gets it done in 30 seconds. It's incredibly effective. Um, and, you know, people are going to watch that real quickly before they're going to read three pages of a blog post. I agree. So, Bill, help me understand in this volatile market, if you will, I mean, for lack of a better term, this this interesting and, and unprecedented marketplace, how how do you help guide someone into pricing their home correctly? Um, I don't know if there's an answer to that, uh, right, right, because you can come and you can do all the research you want and all the analysis and come up with what you think is the right price. And in this market, the market will continue to surprise everybody in it um, as to what the market will bear for a house. The, the biggest risk that you, I have when working with a seller is to overprice their house. Like, you know, if you price a house at 90 cents on the dollar today, there's going to be so much demand because there's so few homes in any price point, whether it's 200 grand or 2 million, um, you know, there's just nothing for sale in that price point. So, you know, if you're going to price the house, we've been using the million dollar house example uh, all morning. So let's stay with that. You, you know, if the house is, you think is going to be traded around a million, price it at 975. Um, you're not going to lose 25 grand and you never have to accept an offer, which is something, you know, I think it's forgotten a little bit. Um, but let the market bubble up and see what it will bear. Um, so, you know, the asking price on a home in 2022 has kind of shifted from, we think the house is worth this, and would you pay that to me, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Homebuyer, to we're going to start with, you know, an asking price of a million dollars. Call it what it is. We're going to start the bidding at. Yes. And you're going to capture all of the people who are searching a million dollars and under. Um, and you, you, you may capture them up to, up to a million too. Right. Um, and you just get busy, um, you know, with offers. I mean, we're seeing homes that were probably 900 to a million going on in a million two and selling a million four, a million four five. Um, you know, there was a high watermark sale in Hull this past weekend. You know, it went on at one eight, um, and there were two offers north of two. You know, and two million dollar transactions in Hull are not a, a daily occurrence like they are next door in Hingham. Right. Um, so where do we go? Where do we go from there? So, you know, what do you tell your client who says, you know, I'd love to sell right now, but it's going to happen to me on the buy side. If you're moving from the right side of town to the left side of town, yes. If you're changing markets, for instance, my brother sold his house in Wellesley and he's renting in Manhattan for a year just to try it out. Right. Um, or you're, you're going to go down to Florida or South Carolina. That can happen. Um, you know, you, you can change markets and, and do it efficiently. Yeah, yes, it will be tough. Um, and it's probably a big hit to your lifestyle if you think you can rent for a year or two. Yeah, because rentals are one, not, a, not plentiful and two, not cheap. So it's for somebody who is going to make that life altering change, right? It's not the ideal market to do a lateral upside, downside in the same community. Unless you're going from the four bedroom centers colonial to the three bedroom condo you know and, and that's that's a, in my mind is a change of market right. um you know the, the you know the buyer for the condo is going to be different than the buyer for, for, for the um 
you know, the family house that's, you know, um, become the empty nester palace. So you, simply, so you simply switch markets and same with your Florida example earlier, you know, you're hedging the downside in a different manner as well. Yes. I think a lot of people really need to take a look at this market. In what way? Pricing is up probably 20% in the last 24 months. Um, if some of that, you know, you know, if you don't lock in that gain, it could drift backwards on you. And so, you know, if the market comes back 10%, you know, that million dollar house is now 900 uh, and you've left a hundred on the table. Right. Now, right. Granted, you know, the, the $700,000 condo you bought is now 630. So, you know, it, you, you do get it on both sides, but the, you, you're giving up more than you're. So this would be an ideal market for a downsizer. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who's been in their home for 40 years, but there's no reason that they need to still be in that home that they raise their family of which their family are all adults with their own families but the kids bedrooms haven't changed it still has the you know the hingham cohasset high school um, lacrosse trophy from 1982 and the stick and the helmet and all of that you know and then you come home and you pay homage to it um <clears throat> but you don't need it i mean if you look at that person living in that empty nester house there's three bedrooms that they're paying the heat um, and paying the cleaning lady to clean, uh, but, you know, are getting used 15 nights a year. And there's, you know, there's a living room and a finished basement and, you know, the bonus room over the garage. You get all this space that just sits empty because, you know, you're using one bedroom, one and a half bathrooms, the kitchen and the family room. You know, you, you can move into a condo. And, and still use the same amount of space, but not pay for the rest of it. You're not paying the taxes, the heat, the maintenance. You know, to me, it, you know, for the downsizer, it's the best environment ever. Assuming you can find a, you know, find that condo, which is um, what I've been working on trying to uncover. You know, one of the things I think we're experiencing right now too, Bill, is, you know, when you entered the market, construction basically froze. So that inventory is not here either. And, you know, new construction, that, that's a different animal. Um, and it's very much in demand because people want it all turnkey. Um, but it, it's, it's become more expensive and it's taken and, and longer, right? You know, that it's not that the builder, you know, is spending more time building it. They just have delays getting plywood, get, you know, getting a subcontractor in to put the plumbing or the electrical or the HVAC, uh, you know, I mean, they're just, everything is taking longer and, and that's just equating to more dollars, um, on the purchase price. Right. Right. So Bill, let me ask you something. If someone were to have worked with you, whether they're a buyer or a seller, and the transaction, the closing experience, the journey, if you will, has consummated, and they sit down and they want to write a review for you, Bill Tierney, what's that review sound like? There's 75 of them on Zillow. Um, not that I ever would mean to send people um, to that site, but, um, you know, mine are always, it was fun. We laughed. Bill picked up his phone um, and Bill listened to us. You know, you can look at all the reviews and the, the same thing seems to come through um, over and over again. Like, you know, the, Bill listened to us. He picked up the phone. He knew, he knew what we wanted. Um, and then, Trend, you know, that translates whether I was working with a buyer or the seller. He knew what we wanted. That's great. I mean, that's great. That's EQ right there. 
That's you understanding your fellow human. Hey, so one of the things, Bill, we want to do here is- Can touch on that for a quick second, the fellow human thing? Because I always laugh about this with clients. But when we go out looking at houses, you're looking at, you know, the living room and the dining room and, you know, does it work for your family? I'm watching your body language, right? When you walk in a house and go, I know it's not the right one, but you go, ooh. Um, you know, I, I can tell what house you're going to buy in, in three minutes. Just I love it. And, and for those who can't see this because it's only audio, he's got some great facial expressions. So you're going to have to check him out on his uh, YouTube channel to see the authentic, authentic Bill. But Bill, coming on a podcast, uh, doing video, it's, it's, it's expanding your comfort zone. One of the other things we like to talk about on, on Elements of Styles is karaoke. We're going to try and get everybody together who's been a guest on this is for a networking, because if you look at the catalog of all of the guests who have been on Elements of Styles, there's some solid professionals on there. We use it as a database. They go, go look, see, you don't want to work with an agent, a financial advisor, or accountant. They're on there. They're good people on there. But Bill, it's your turn. You're up on the microphone. What are you singing for your karaoke song? Oh, um, probably gonna be Bob Dylan. Um, Which one? Um, Sundown on the Union's a favorite or Tangled Up in Blue? Probably Tangled Up in Blue. Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. Here comes Bill Tierney to the center stage. The most important question of them all. How would someone get in touch with you if they wanted to work with you? Um, you can Google me. Um, although if you Google Bill Tierney, you do find a really good lacrosse coach who probably can coach better than I can. Uh, but WilliamTierney.net is my website. You can always find me there. Realtor Bill on Instagram. Uh, list it with Bill uh, on Twitter uh, or Bill Tierney on Facebook. I love it. I love it. Bill, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your stories with us. I appreciate you very much. It was awesome, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.